with a yellow pledge card. Go ahead and, on the count of three, pull off that pledge card. Ready? One, two, three, go. Oh, that sounds nice. All right, good. Put this somewhere where you won't lose it, and I want you to actually focus your attention to the notes, and particularly the title of the message. The title of the message, which today is, I am a humble church member. Okay, a little interesting phrase to say, but if you, if you think about it, that's kind of what we're talking about here today. And I thought it'd be fun to start this time off with a survey, because everybody loves surveys. So, go ahead and show of hands, raise your hand if you believe that you are a humble church member. Go ahead, raise your hand. All right, all right, good. We got three, four. Okay, I like it. Hands down, good. Okay, that's a little hard to do. That's okay. Let's try this. Raise your hand if you know somebody who is a humble church member. Go ahead, raise your hand. Oh, that is good. That's encouraging. Okay, good. All right. Well, you know, humility, being humble, it's a hard thing to talk about, especially when it's about yourself, right? Well, actually, I heard a story recently at a marriage conference about humility. I thought it was very fitting for today. Um, it's actually kind of a sobering story. It's about a couple um, who um, the, the husband had a uh, life-threatening disease. And so they went to visit the doctors. And uh, at the doctor's office, um, the, the doctor explained the situation to them. And um, after some time of processing, the doctor actually asked the husband to leave the room so that he could talk with the wife in private. And so as he's talking with the wife, he looks at her and he says, you see, here's the reality. Your husband has probably about six months to live. However, there is one option. If you can humble yourself and make him a hearty, healthy breakfast every morning, if you can keep him relaxed by massaging his feet for an hour every single night, if you can allow him to get lots of rest by letting him watch his favorite TV shows whenever he wants to, and, and minimize his stress by taking care of the kids 24-7 so he doesn't have to, basically satisfy him in every possible way, if you can do that, there's a good chance that he'll live. Wife takes it all in, heads out the office, and gets in the car. And on the drive home, the husband looks at the wife and says, so what did the doctor say? She looks at him and says, you're going to die. <laughs> Humility, it's a hard thing to live out. It's a hard thing to live out. And so for all of us today, we're going to talk about what it is to live out humility. And we're going to do this actually not by going to Webster's Dictionary and finding a definition of humility. We're going to look at this by defining humility in the life of Christ. We're going to look at Jesus Christ, who was essentially humility embodied. And we're going to see his life, both his, his birth his life and his death, and how humility flows from everything that he had. And so our big question for today, in focusing us in, is why did Christ come to us in such humility? What is it that we have to learn from the humility, from the humble life that Christ lived here on earth? And so go ahead now and open your Bibles, if you have them, to Philippians. The book of Philippians is where we're going to be today. There's Bibles along the inside aisle. If you need one, pass them down. Philippians is where we're going to be. Philippians chapter 2. It's one of my favorite passages of the whole Bible. Philippians chapter 2. It, um, it just it gives us a, a beautiful poetic picture of Christ. Of, of, the, 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 of, his, of his birth, of his life, of his death, and, and all that took place. And as, as we see it unfold, just kind of meditate on this idea of humility, taking it in for your own self. And so we're going to start off with our first main point by asking the simple question, how was Christ's humility displayed? 
How is his humility displayed for us here on earth? And so we'll see here in our first main point, which is on your message notes, that Christ's humility was displayed through sacrificial service. That in his birth, in his life, and in his death, Christ lived out his humility through sacrificially serving others. And so we're going to start actually at verse 6 and look at this birth, life, and death unfolding in Christ. So the verse starts off at verse 6, who? That's referring to Jesus. So we'll go ahead and say verse 6. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And there we see Christ's humility was displayed through sacrificial serving. You see, at the very beginning, it began with his birth, right? And at the very beginning with his birth, prior to him coming to earth, he lived in perfect harmony and perfect unity with the Father, with the Holy Spirit in heaven. He had everything he ever needed, ever wanted. And yet, out of humility, it says he came down, made himself, it says, nothing. That we see in an instant the single greatest miracle of all eternity, God becoming man. And in this act of humility, Jesus sacrifices his eternal divine home in order to make a home amongst us as humans. And in that moment, he became 100% human just like us in every way, the Bible says. It's important to note there in Philippians 2.7, sometimes that we read, he made himself nothing, translates, some people will translate into he actually ceased becoming God at that point, which is not true. God is God and will always be God. And Jesus, the Son, is always God and will always be 100% God and 100% man. And so with that, we see Christ's humility being displayed through sacrificially serving us by leaving all that he had to come and live amongst us, to be born into our world. And so that's what we see in the first point there, the, the first kind of subpoint, humility in his birth. We see Christ's humility in his birth. And now we're going to look at Jesus' life. And this, this is going to be a portion where we get a look at different stories through, through the gospel, particularly the gospel of John, which is just my favorite gospel. I love John. I love his tone. He has this, this, this writing style that really you can tell it was a relationship he had with Jesus. It was very deep. It was very intimate. So we're going to look at a few stories from the gospel of John and just kind of see how Jesus' humility gets played out in different circles. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John. We're going to start with a story in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we're going to see Jesus' humility being played out in this particular story by serving others apart from cultural norms. Okay, Because we have these norms in society that give us certain rules, how to do this, how to do that, and we usually play by them, right? And it's usually appropriate. Well, Jesus is going to serve regardless of what the norm is. And we'll see that in just a moment, what his norm was of the day. And so in John chapter 4, we see that He's serving people, and particularly a woman. And let's see how this story plays out. At verse 6, it says that Jesus was tired because he was on a a long journey from Judea down to Galilee, and that he was tired from his journey. And so because he was tired, he sat down by a well. This is Jacob's well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? 
His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, Well, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And here it is. For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. But Jesus answered her and continues the dialogue. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so not only was she a Samaritan, but it says a Samaritan woman, which again, that was that much further of a separation. You notice it says that it was at noon that they were at the well. People didn't typically go to draw water at the hottest part of the day. This woman was going because she knew that she would hopefully not run into anybody at that time. Well, she did. She ran into Jesus. And praise God she did. But here, she, here we see Jesus breaking culture norms by meeting with someone and actually con- continuing this story. The story goes on to share um, just kind of his, his heart for this woman and, and his, his care for her, his sacrificial serving of her apart from cultural norms. And so we see there one example of him serving apart from you know, social status, apart from age, apart from ethnicity. He just kind of meets people where they're at. And in the next story, we're going to see Jesus serving particularly with his heart. We're going to see him serving with his heart in John 11. So flip over to John 11, and we're going to see a story. It's it's one of the healing stories, but I want to capture the, the part of the story that happens just before the healing. Because we know that Jesus can heal, and we know that he still does heal people, but in this story, he doesn't heal right away. He, he's actually going to sit with Mary, whose brother Lazarus just died. And here we see in chapter 11, at verse 32, it says, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along also Along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? Of course he could have kept this man from dying. And he goes on to heal him. But we see him, rather than just jumping to the quick fix, which we often want to do, he st- instead he stops and he sits with them in their pain. He sacrificially serves them. He humbles himself by just sitting with them in their pain and serves with his heart in the midst of the tragedy. And now we're going to look at what, one last story of Jesus serving sacrificially in chapter 13 of John. So just a few chapters further. We're going to see Jesus serving, and we're going to see him serving even when the job is dirty, okay? Even when the job is dirty, we're going to see him living out humility in his last few moments with his disciples. And we see in John chapter 13, at the top of the chapter, verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so in light of this, he gets up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now here we see kind of the the climax of humility in Jesus' life. Because this this wasn't a typical foot washing that maybe we've experienced in our day, right? Because we wear shoes and we wear socks. We have layers between our feet and the dirt, okay? They didn't have that in their day. They had sandals. And so this dirt would kind of get up and everywhere all on their feet. And so for Jesus to go through and wipe 12 men's feet all in a row, 
That was a dirty job. Jesus had to put some elbow grease into this job. This was dirty. And yet, in light of that, Jesus still serves. He still serves. He serves when we see him breaking cultural norms. We see him serving with his heart. And we see him serving even when the job is dirty. And these are just a handful of examples of the way that Jesus humbled himself, served us here on earth. And so that's the second sub-point there in, in, in point number one. And then the, so humility in his life is the second part. And the third part there is humility, as we're going to see right here, in his death. Because the passage goes on to say in verse 8 that Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And this, this is where we get to see the gospel really unfold, because Jesus died for us out of necessity. We, we, had, we, we were born into sin. We chose to, to, to turn away from God, and we're born, all of us, into sin. And Jesus, there had to be a sacrifice for our sin, and Jesus stepped in and said, I'm going to sacrifice. We talk about sacrificially serving. He sacrificially served us to the point of death. Well, the passage goes on. Not just death, it says. This was no ordinary death. It says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The cross was the most cruelest and shameful forms of capital punishment in Jesus' day. And he humbled himself even in his death. And so for point number one, simply we've seen Christ's humility displayed through sacrificial service. That in his birth, his life, and his death, Christ lived out his humility through sacrificially serving others. Okay, so here we are now with seeing a picture of Christ in humility. What about for us? The question is, how does Christ's humility play out in our own lives? What is our response to Christ's life of sacrificial service? We'll see here in point number two that as Christ humbled himself towards us, so we are to humble ourselves towards each other that we respond to Christ's humility through sacrificial service towards those around us. Okay, so we just looked at verses 6 through 8. Let's now look back at verse 5 to see the context of the overall passage, to kind of get the big picture of where this is headed. And so you'll see, if you were to flip back to Philippians chapter 2, you'll see in, in Philippians 2 verse 5 it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset as Christ Jesus. And so as Christ humbled himself towards us, so we are to humble ourselves towards one another. That's what it means to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This verse, this is where the the rubber meets the road in this rich theological passage. Because now it's saying, oh, this is for us. This isn't just some passage about Christ displaying him in, in his humility. No, this is for us to take in, to live. And so we'll see here that verse 5, again, is giving us the context. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Curtis talked about, um, about the church, and the title of his message was, Everybody Needs Everybody Always. I like that title. And it captures well what we're talking about, that reminded us that we are the church. We are the body of Christ. That we need one another. In fact, he used a verse that I think captures it really well. He talked about 1 Corinthians 12, 26. It says that if one member suffers all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so if we're going to be humbling ourselves, if we're going to be a humble church body, we need to experience this sacrificial service towards one another so that if one member is suffering, that we all suffer. But at the same time that we celebrate, if one member is honored, that we all rejoice together. It's kind of a give and take. It's an ebb and flow. That's how a body works. We're all together in this. 
And I'm honored, personally, I'm honored to be a part of a church where I've already seen so many people living this out already. I know at the beginning when I asked how many of you are a humble church member, only a few of you raised your hands. Actually, it's, 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 a, hard, it's a hard thing to, if you think about it, because in one sense you want to be honest and say, yeah, no, I do feel humble. But then you kind of feel like the moment you raise your hand that you're not then being humble anymore, right? It's kind of that tension. Well, I, I, I can now talk about some of you that I've seen. In fact, I'm not going to point any names other than my wife. I'm just going to share uh, briefly about her, because I can't talk about my humility, right? That's not fair, but... I can talk about her humility all day. So I just, you know, the past few years, um, you know, with VBS, she stepped up to lead VBS as a VBS director. And I had, like, very little say in that. I wasn't encouraging her. I wasn't saying anything. I just kind of let it be up to her, and she chose to do it. And so what I saw in that was a huge step of humility, of kind of saying, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. I know this is a big task, but I'm going to sacrificially serve my church body in doing that. And I thought that was really cool. And so I, 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 can, I can tell stories about all, so many of you of these kind of experiences, whether it's, you know, a, a big thing or a little thing, it's not, that's not what Jesus was concerned about. He was concerned about the heart, about is your heart in a place of humility towards others? And so what, what I'd like to see is, is us serving and taking these examples of Jesus's life and applying them to our own life. And so we first see there this idea of serving others apart from cultural norms, Right? This idea of, of people who are kind of a little different from us, whether in, in you know, um, age, social status, ethnicity. Um, again, this is all in the context of the church. The, the, the book of Philippians was written to a church. And so when it says, um, in your relationships with one another, it's talking about in your relationships with one another in the body. And so for us, for, for us even here, there's people that are of different ethnicities, different ages, different statuses, different things here and there. And now maybe think about a group that is a little different from you particularly. Think about a particular group. I have a group in mind right now. Okay, now, I have a thought. I think that we all have a group in common now of somebody, some, some particular group that we can all agree is a little different from us. Children, Right? Yeah, I know, you thought I was going to say something super awkward there, but no, children, children are very different than us because we're all old and they're all young. Now, you guys are kind of like in between somewhere, right? The middle school, high schoolers, but I'm talking like promised land children, okay? Here's the thing about these kids is they're like, they're very different than us. They're, they're these peculiar little creatures that walk around about half our size, right? They have no respect for cultural norms, and, and, and at a moment's notice, they'll start breaking into let it go, you know, in the middle of dinner or something. They, they're just like different. They're different than us. And so, so it's no wonder that when we talk about promised land and needing help in promised land, that the signups are very sparse because these are very different kids. And yet even Jesus says, serve those who are different than you. And so I think for us all, not anyone in particular, all of us, it's a challenge to simply sign up to serve in promised land. But that's the challenge that Jesus gives us. These are people that are outside of our comfort zone. People that we're not used to necessarily dealing with. Or maybe we, we were used to that age from a long time ago and we used to have kids. Or maybe we've never had kids. But these, this is very different. And so I just, there, there's, there's one aspect that we can serve like Jesus apart from cultural norms. And so we see another way that we can serve is, is, is how he served in his heart. How he grieved, how he mourned with those who mourned. Um, in fact, <clears throat> I think that entire passage that we looked at about Jesus with, with Mary and his brother that her brother had passed away could be summarized in two words. Jesus wept. That those two words capture God Almighty, creator of the universe, literally meeting us exactly where we're at in tears. And so, so maybe that's the challenge for some of us today, that we need to sit with others who are going through hard times. 
Maybe we need to weep with those who are going through challenges, trials, crises. And, and maybe, you know, we're not all criers. Maybe we don't all necessarily, you know, tear up like Jesus did, but you can still sit with someone and be with someone in their pain. And there's many ways to do that here at Harvest. I found that actually being a part of a small group is one of the most practical easiest ways to do this because you're meeting on a regular basis with the same group, smaller group of people where you can laugh with them, you can cry with them, you can share life with them. Maybe you're not in a small group and you feel called to start a small group in order to experience this kind of almost like a care ministry where you can um, be with others in their pain or maybe even allow others to be with you in your pain. Sometimes that can even be a bigger gift. And so we can share with, um, with Jesus in his humility by serving others with our heart. And again, serving with others with our heart, I personally think, I, I had some really, um, I was very blessed with my training up at Talbot Seminary, and they trained us in how to kind of sit with others in this process called spiritual direction. And one of the things they taught us right off the bat, you know, it's kind of spiritual direction is just sitting with another person, letting them share about the relationship with God in their life, and just kind of being there with them, and maybe asking some questions. But they said, really, the, the, the majority of what you're doing is listening. That if, that if only you would listen, and if only we would listen on a normal basis to people, wow, how powerful that would be. And so, so that's, again, care doesn't have to be necessarily, you have to have this powerful gift. Really, it's just, if you can sit next to someone, you can care for them. And so, again, there's a few ways to do that. And lastly, we'll see the, the serving dirty aspect of Jesus' ministry, getting dirty. And, and, and so, that's, that's, that's humbling, right? Getting dirty can be humbling. And so maybe for some of us, that's arriving, you know, here on a Sunday morning. This, this doesn't just happen. Well, the chairs happen. That, that's nice. They set the chairs up for us. But everything else you see, this has to be set up. And so maybe you're called to set up. Um, come a little early and set up. In fact, this is new. We had, we had the, the screen broke. I don't know if you caught this. The screen broke. It didn't work today. So we have the little mini screen here. And I, I noticed we have blue painter's tape holding up that huge projector screen. So that's good. Um, but somebody had to put up that blue painter's tape. So maybe that could be you, right? Um, getting a little sweaty, getting a little dirty, setting up, maybe breaking down afterwards. Um, or even better yet, I know one of the dirtiest jobs that I've ever done is changing a baby's diaper, okay? Now, we have some babies here, and we'll have more babies shortly, as of December 5th, give or take a couple days. Yes, we're very excited, we're very excited. Um, and, and, and there will be diapers that need to be changed, and guess what? We need people to do that, so dirty job, right? Once again, another reason to sign up for Promised Land. So, do it. No, it's, it's, this is not, in fact, what I wanted to say is, don't sign up for anything yet. There's a little tear-out card in your bulletin where you can sign up for these things. I want you to have that ready to go, but I don't want you to sign up yet, and there's a reason why. I want to first review our last two points, and then as we get into the third point, I want you to start to kind of reflect internally on this idea of service to kind of see where you're at in regards to humility, okay? We're going to have a time to kind of process this, and so so firstly, we've seen in our first main point that Christ's humility was displayed through sacrificial service, in his birth, life, and death, Christ lived out his humility through sacrificially serving others. And secondly, we saw that as Christ humbled himself towards us, so we are called to humble ourselves towards each other in the body of Christ. And so our third point, we're going to ask the question, why? Why are we to humble ourselves towards one another? In other words, what is our goal in sacrificially serving each other? Our third point is that we humble ourselves towards one another for the glory of God. 
Our ultimate goal in sacrificially serving others is for God to be glorified. All right. So verse 9. I want to make sure. Are you guys listening over there? Are you guys good? Is this Because there's this like big projector right in between you and me, and I can't see very well. So are you good over there? Good. All right. Good. I saw some chitter-chatter on it. We would hate to have chitter-chatter during the message. Okay. Sorry. It's the youth pastor coming out of me. I have to do it. Okay. <laughs> What did did I just, yes, glory of God, only the biggest thing ever. Okay, the main purpose of our sacrificial serving is for God to be glorified. Look with me starting at verse 9, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. And here we see all of this humility prior to this, all of this humility. Jesus coming down, 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 down to earth, living humbly, dying on the cross. And here we see verse 9, what happens? Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. That is one of the richest passages of the entire Bible. This passage shows how God brought Christ from his humiliating death to this highest place being recognized by all as Lord. And we see there at the closing remark of this whole passage, It says that all of this is to the glory of God the Father. Hmm. This sounds nice. This sounds like, yes, that sounds right. I want to do that. I want to live all my life for the glory of God the Father. And yet, wait a second, I'm human. I'm born into sin. In fact, to be honest, we are born with quite the opposite desire than this, what we call humility. Humility would say God gets all the glory, right? We're born with the opposite desire. We're born with pride, where we get all the desire. It's kind of like this. If you were to go after church to the Apple store and go and pick up the newest iPhone 6 Plus S, whatever it is, okay, and you open it up, you take it out, and you're going to turn it on, you're going to see the settings app. You click the settings app, and you can see a bunch of different options. One of those first options says glory to God. Now let's pretend that this iPhone represents your soul, okay? (laughs) Glory to God. Guess which one this is on, on or off? This is defaulted to the off position. Okay, now here's the struggle. Here's the struggle. Getting that switch to turn from off to on. And the reality is, is that we can't do that alone. We can't do that alone. As humans, we are defaulted to pride. We're defaulted to self-glory. Well, that seems like kind of a bummer, right? Because if our whole purpose is to glorify God, how are we going to do that? And then what about Jesus? That's not very fair, right? Because, yeah, he was human, but like everything he did was for the glory of God, right? So how does that work? Well, here's the reality. Is that Jesus, because he was 100% human, actually went through the same struggles and the same temptations we went through. While he was not born into sin, he was still human. And so even, in, in fact, we see at the very end of his life before he goes to the cross, in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does, he say to, what does he say to God the Father as he's talking with God? He says, Father, take this cup from me. In other words, don't let me go to the cross. Because here's the thing. Even Jesus had to struggle with this reality of who really gets the glory. Because he lived his life the whole time for God's glory. But at the very end, he had to question who really gets the glory. Of course, we all know exactly what happens right after that. He says, yet not my will but your will be done. And there we see, there we see the ultimate act of humility. There we see Jesus submitting. We see him literally sacrificing his whole life for God and for all of us. 
And that's our answer of how we can switch that glory to God's setting to the on position, is by receiving what Jesus did, because Jesus did die for the glory of God on the cross, but he also died to break the power of sin and death in our lives. And because he died to break the power of sin and death, we can receive Jesus' power and also live like him and give God all the glory. And so our challenge is not to work hard enough to give God glory, because we can't do it. Our challenge is to open to what Jesus has already done on the cross and say yes to God. Our challenge is whether we feel called to serve in any of these areas we talked about, whether it's promised land, starting or joining a a small group, maybe it's being a part of a care ministry, caring for others in times of crisis, um, helping with setup and breakdown before and after services, even changing diapers in promised land. All of these areas take sacrifice. It takes a humbling of ourselves to sacrifice others in service. And this is the piece where we cannot do this on our own. It is hard to sign up to serve. I know that. I have a hard time myself too. Now, I'm with the youth every, pretty much every other week and every Saturday night, so I love serving them. But to serve beyond that is really hard to do, and it's because it takes a piece of sacrifice, of dying to ourselves. And so in light of that, I thought it would be appropriate to give us some time to actually have some honest reflection with God about this idea of dying to ourselves, about this idea of giving him the glory so that we can live humbly amidst one another, so we can serve one another sacrificially. And so what we'll do now is we'll just take some time in our closing here to process this with God. And so let's just take some time to to open up to God. We'll spend some time in prayer and just ask him a few different questions and and share with him a few different things. And so, Father, we, um, we, we even right now humble ourselves. We admit that we were probably, um, from the moment we woke up, just kind of doing our own thing and, and going through the motions and, and perhaps some of us recognizing that, hey, you're here with us right now. Um, but for all of us now, I hope that we can humble ourselves and, and say, God, you are here right now. You are here right now. And so with that, I, I, I pray that we can humble ourselves enough to be honest about a few different questions in light of this message, in light of this talk today. And so, Where you are right now in your seat, just talk with God about humility. In light of Christ's life of humility, how much are you experiencing his humility in your life? In other words, how are you sacrificially serving others as Christ did? Just talk with God about this for a moment. Next, talk to God about this idea of glory. In particular, talk to him about your own personal struggle with glory. Something we all struggle with, we're all born with. Where in your life, whether at church, at home, work, school, where in your life do you want or do you need to receive the glory? And then ask God to open your heart so that you can give him the glory in all you do here at Harvest, 
and throughout your entire life. Ask God, ask Jesus for his power to give God all the glory. Heavenly Father, we confess that it is hard to give you all the glory. It is not our natural desire. But we just come to you now in humility, asking that you would make this possible. That in light of what we saw today and experienced of Jesus' life of humility, that we also could live this out amongst one another. Whether we sign up for something today or we just need time to process where we are at regarding glory, that we could humble ourselves and serve one another and meet the needs of the body wherever that might look. So that as we all, one person suffers, we all suffer. That if one person's honored, that we all rejoice together. And in such a way, we could live humbly as a body of Christ. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ask the ushers to come forward.